Good morning, evening, afternoon, whatever applies to you. And yes, this is the first episode of a brand new show called Teesside, which, to be honest, I can't believe wasn't taken up until this point. But it wasn't, according to me and one minion I had doing a lot of back-end research. This is actually available, so we're just going to roll with that. Uh, read into the name what you like. Uh, and also read into Yumi's favorite baked good, which is apparently banana bread, because that is the first fun fact that I learned about one of my two co-hosts. My other co-host is, of course, Mr. Hawker, who you may have seen from various CSGO broadcasts. Also does a cool Pick'em series, which I recommend uh, checking out on his YouTube channel. Um, oh, by the way, uh, Yumi, not to you know uh, leave you in the dust too early, because I do have another interesting well tidbit that you're probably already aware of but i do feel has to be sort of cleared up immediately which is okay. you have decided to pick a name for yourself which does for a lot of people who follow me at least resonate with a magical cat that floats around <laughs> on a carpet being really useless and annoying and most people spam on repeat please delete please delete please delete from the game so how did you end up on this name i feel we have to cover this before anything at this point just you know from my own okay well well first off i already knew where that was headed as soon as you said like league of legends or anything to do with that game i understood that i was probably not going to be on the best of terms with anybody coming from that side of, of things not that i care i've never been a league of legends guy myself i'm dota cs i've been a valve mainstay guy for a long time but yumi as an origin um like, i'm of oriental descent you know it means like love or kinship i think in chinese and it means like bow in japanese which is you know those are all factors picking the name but it's actually way stupider the way i came up with the name i had a an old alias called you made me milk and I had a picture of a cow you know the idea was that the cow you surprised me whatever and i decided <laughs> to hyphenate or carry on carry on <laughs> i decided to hyphenate or shorten that name down to yumi with a three you know that way it was still it was like derivative of that other name, but also I knew it had other meaning. And I thought like Yumi with the three just kind of looked good, even though now that I realize and I'm more like social uh, social platform aware, I realize that it's actually a kind of a terrible name for just branding in general. Yeah, I what's your Xbox say... handle? Like X Sniper X or something? Like what's with Actually, the... it was it was Apple Juice with a one and a three. <laughs> oh, here end. we go. Because those, that was my, I don't know. I loved Leet Speak as a kid. So I just, it carried forward. Wow. Okay. We've heard enough about that. I feel. Hawker, do you have a, a fun origin name? Did you, did you like Hawks? Was that, was that the, uh... it's, it's so boring. It's just my last name is Hawkins. And I was like, right, cool. Go. I could shorten that Hawker. And you know what? It's, it's better than Yumi. So that, I'll take I was going to say, that's all like, I need on this show. Whenever hey, I like my are... alias now, I just, the origins kind of shit, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll uh, agree to disagree on that one. No, it's okay. Anyway. So, <laughs> Just to basically explain the premise of the show, today will be a little bit different because obviously, you know, with the uh, era of CSGO coming to an end, we thought we'd sort of, you know, honour that era in time and we're all going to pretend that CS2 is a completely different game with no overlapping parallels. So wanted to do a little sort of time capsule episode and a, a Hall of Fame show, if you will, going through various... Uh, mundane categories that I've come up with and judging people who've achieved a lot more than I ever will. Uh, so that is basically the premise of the show. And also going forward, as I said on Twitter, it's going to be more of a sort of a quick fire thing. We will, of course, pick apart like big 
topics as and when they come up around, you know, big tournaments and <clears throat> major talking points, off-season shuffle and stuff like that. But it will always be sort of sprinkled in with some more what I would call sort of fun elements because I do think, uh, and, you know, calling uh, the uh, kettle black glass houses and all that, the long-form content is somewhat uh, saturated, I would say. So hopefully there's something a little bit different for, for you guys. Um, but anyway, I will just jump straight in because that's what we do on this show. We get right into the meat of the bones. No, none of this waffle. We don't hear any more about Yumi's uh, love of banana bread or anything ever again. That was... That was your only dosage. So, yeah, let's jump straight in. So, as I said, this is a Hall of Fame show. And I'm going to start in what I think is a pretty cool place and ask you guys your opinion on For You and interpret this however you like. What For You, I'll start with you, Hawker, was the most epic moment in CSGO? Obviously, we're talking esports here. I don't want to hear about what you did in Face It. Like, what For You <laughs> was the most epic moment in CSGO? Oh, I, I think... And it, it pains me to do it because, you know, NACS, I, I don't love it. And I don't I don't love the people. But at the same time, the Boston Major, just like so much of that final map was incredible. I think that was probably the most iconic time of, of CSGO for me. Just, I mean, firstly, you get the Stewie play, which I'm going to be real is it's kind of not overrated, but it is like FaZe kind of just messing up and giving Stewie these easy shots at the end of the round. It's It's not actually that hard of a play to land. Let's be real. But it's iconic as fuck. Secondly, you just have this crazy comeback against a team of Carrigan and Nico and like th these players that are so storied. It felt like, you know, it was their time to win a major guardian, of course. And then you get like NACS, which up until that point was never really competing massively for top tier trophies. Finally, actually doing something. It, it did just feel like this mad swan song like almost something you would have to write in a movie because Cloud9, they also like lost their first two games in group stage and were looking yeah. like a bad team and then just suddenly go on this crazy run. So I think there's there's so much about it where it, it has iconic moments. It has storylines going toe to toe <coughs> and has obviously had a huge impact on the, the players' careers that didn't win the major. You know, if, if, if you didn't, a couple of them actually just never got to win a CSGO major. And then you get the the... Nice fact that actually NACS finally did something, which actually turned into something cool, where they finally like had teams that started doing well for a little bit, and now they're back to being shit, of course. Mm. But you know, <laughs> I think worth uh, worth noting on that as well for people who don't remember, Cloud Nine as an organization also had that run of like non-major doing really well, like a period before where after that ended, that's when obviously like Sean Gares was still there, Freakazoid, and so on. You felt like that was kind of their 15 minutes of fame, if you like. That was like their big moment. And then with a whole bunch of lineup changes, they come back and win a major. So that, that, yeah, that was pretty wild. What, what about you, Yumi? What sticks out for you? Um, I'd have to probably go with another major, but one that's a little bit further back in time. Um, DreamHack Winter 2014 with Ooh, okay. the Olaf boost. Oh, um, yeah. It's what, it's what got me into Counter-Strike Global Offensive because when the game first came out, it was kind of bad. And, you know, coming back to it later to find this massive controversy i remember watching that live over just like around christmas time and thinking already that this was going to like permeate past just the endemic cs crowd because it was so controversial incredibly like crazy in the moment happening where you know it's we started to get layers unraveled about how far the the bug's origin had sort of come to be and it being hushed under the rug 
I love that fact. I love the the idea that they got this competitive edge at a crucial moment, even though they ended up forfeiting the game in the end, um, yeah. even though they did technically nothing wrong. I, I think that's just one of those moments that, that really hooked me into Counter-Strike because it, it gave me the perception that there were these tactical elements, even if they weren't technically allowed in the game, it, it just it unlocked a whole myriad of scenarios in my head about how to play Counter-Strike because I always just thought it was point-click and, you know, you just you shot at people and that was it. I, I It kind of unlocked a new mm. layer for Counter-Strike for me. So, Dude. baked banana bread and drama farmer. That's what we've learned about Yumi today. <laughs> yeah, very nice. Hell yeah. I will say, the, the whole tidbit of them, like, finding it on Reddit, just some random guy yeah. posted it on Reddit and then they ask him to take it down. It's just so wild. Like, I can't <laughs> imagine that happening in any other context where some random guy has found this bug and had such a big influence on the game. Like, that, that, that is very cool, actually. Like, that, that one guy, actually, someone should try and talk to that guy and just, I don't know, see if Find he's still out. about what he's doing. He's had a lot of impact. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Has he made any other, you know, game-defining Reddit posts since? Who knows? <laughs> who knows? I, for people who don't remember, by the way, the context of that was also really weird. But basically, people were told specifically, like, the teams were told specifically, like, if you find a bug, like, that is significant it is your obligation to report said bug which is i think what eventually led to them uh actually deciding to forfeit but also to yumi's point as well i thought it was quite interesting because it's like that's the first time in counter-strike csgo where i remember there being this whole like media foray about something like that i remember they were interviewing like devil walk and asking him to like justify what they did and stuff and i mm. went back on for hours because they went away with like the organization as well and like basically conferred what they were going to do should they forfeit shouldn't they and initially it seemed like maybe they were going to put themselves through but i do think they had to they had to forfeit really and also very get oh, it wasn't very game it was envious i guess they were called at the time um ldlc ld oh yeah ldlc same shit that french team that everyone yeah. knows same core they um they were winning that overpass game pretty handily until they cheated essentially really so yeah i think the right rights are that's a that's a good one that's an interesting one i'm gonna be super boring and pick the thing that if you did a reddit poll everyone would probably well it would probably win the poll which is cole zero's or play on mirage and that's kind of ties into the stewie thing as well where it's like i could do that play like as a bad csgo player <laughs> yeah. like i feel at least watching it i could probably do it, it as a fucking lucky no scope that collated and got two people and then another like it's not a technically amazing play. It's just a really cool, like, one for the kids 360 no scope kind of angle. Where it's, and obviously, the biggest thing about it was they were, I believe, 15 9 down or 15 10 down. And of course, went on to, to actually win that map, um, which was when obviously Simple was on uh, Team Liquid for that very short and awkward yeah. stint, let's call it. But no, that was a. Sorry, the most on. impressive part about those plays, like even simple dropping out from like heaven on cash and no scoping yeah. two people, like the most impressive part of those plays are that they even tried it in the first yes, place. Exactly. You know, it's, not, it's not even that they're impressive plays because they're super high skill. It's that they had the balls to do something like that in a big game yeah. and it worked. Like, and with simple point. part of the, when he dropped that part of you thought like, does he know something we don't about how no scopes work? Like, just because when the player's that good and they decide to opt into that, you're just like, why? And then it works. You're like, he knows something. He definitely yeah. knows something. But okay, no, good. I, I like those answers. Not, not eclectic. I like it. I yeah. like it. By the um, way, that, 
that liquid luminosity game like if people didn't watch that whole series that choke from like that was when liquid yeah. were choking everything and yeah. then the second map they were 15 6 up and then they choked that as well like that was a uh, yeah that was the the depression era for yeah. nacs one of many to be fair that was that was definitely sad right moving on to another sort of positive award and yes i've kind of you know, spoiler alert, there are, I've thrown a couple of negative awards as well down the line. But this is not one of them. I want to know what you guys think is, again, interpret this however you want, the best map during the CSGO era. So I will start and I will be very boring and I will say Mirage. And I will just say Mirage because I feel like it was generally, for most of the era, very balanced. You could win lots of gun rounds on both sides. Um, and the bomb sites, I feel, are just like aesthetically very good to spec because there's like multiple entry points on both sides. It's very clear lines of stuff. Like you can always see what's going on. There's, it's not really that convoluted. Um, it's exciting to watch retakes and so on. So I think Mirage was just a very well-rounded, well-done map. And obviously a redesign of a, you know, an original 1.6 map that was done right. And they tinkered with it at the start. Mirage was horrible for a few patches at the start of CSGO, actually. I remember having B-bombs, so I was a complete mess. But no, I think Mirage for me is probably the best map. But yeah, any any alternates here? Yumi, I'll start with you. What what springs to mind when you when you think of the best maps in CS? I think my favorite is probably, probably Nuke, because it's gone through several different iterations where they've done a lot to outside rafters. They've changed how the bomb sites look. They've, they've experimented a lot with that map, but it's even through all those different variations has been relatively consistent, much the same way as Mirage. You know, it's definitely been a CT sided map for most of its tenure. Even in the eras where T sides were winning a lot more, you'd still expect like a CT favored kind of number out of it. I like having a map like that in, in the pool. And I just think <coughs> even. They could they could mess around with that map as much as they like, and I feel like the balance would still stay in that kind of region. It's also one of the most perfect maps I think we have currently. So uh, even through all those different variations, I think it's delivered on some great games. And it was also the big map where you'd see massive comebacks in the old metas because you'd have these like 12-3 CT halves, and then they'd switch into CT, and then you'd you know you'd get these very very close score lines. So I, I love that about the map. Well, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens to CS2, obviously, with MR12 and that kind of CT. You know, you have to go CT first now, like, on on uh, on CS2, you would think. Mm -hmm. I would just push back slightly, even though this is purely a subjective thing, but I'm going to be a dick and just push back on your personal opinion. And just say, I do think the problem with Nuke for me is that there were big stretches in CSGO when I don't think it was a very good map. And also... Um, my one, this is like a pet peeve thing, but like maybe it's just a personal thing. I feel like Silo on a bomb site is like quite luck based with like after plants and stuff like that. It's like so many rounds where someone either clutches or they don't just like by peeking wrong side of Silo and it's not really based on much, if that makes sense. It's just like this little sort of duking either side of Silo, look, peeking heart, peeking main. I don't really like that. It feels, you can make the argument for other sites as well where, where you have something like that. I mean, mirage i guess with the pillars but to me this the way silo's designed i don't really i don't know i feel like every time i see a reddit post it's like amazing clutch on uh, nuke it's just someone timing people repeatedly going back and forth across silo maybe that's maybe that's just my own personal thing what do, what do you think hawker what was your favorite map of the csgo era 
I think, I mean, so Inferno deserves a shout out, but man, I'm so tainted against Inferno recently just because we're in this save era where so many rounds in Inferno are just like, right, there's a B execute and we've gone two for two trades or something or two for one trades. And then we've got to watch a save for ages. And like in old CS, go, Inferno was a lot of fun just because the game kind of wasn't as optimized. So people would just go for silly retakes where in, you know, theoretical CS, you probably shouldn't. But I think now the game has become so optimized that some of the cracks in Inferno are showing for me where I really think the, the maps that actually work best in CS <laughs> are the ones where retakes are actually quite doable. Because those are the moments you really want to see. You want to see the rounds getting played into the late round. And so, unfortunately, I'm going to have to agree with Rich. I hate to do it. But it is Mirage for me. It is. I, I think just consistently very good. You can play multiple different styles of CS on Mirage as well. Like, that was a big period of time where Big, who were known a lot for their tactical play and new utility, they were picking that map for a long stretch of time. And yet you also have teams who play this really loose style and can just rely on the individuals. So I, I think it's just got a, a great balance. It's been great throughout CS. And just any map that gets you into a lot of post plants, I think you get to see the, the best moments of individual players because it's when you get into 1v2s or 2v2s. I think that's where CS becomes really engaging with how are individuals going to make the play? And obviously the overall strategy of how you get there is really cool. But I think maybe it's because currently in CS, I feel like we're kind of missing some of those moments because of the save meta, where we don't get as many post plants on other maps. Mirage always has that, and you always have the chance of those big moments because of it. So I just think as like a staple bread and butter map, Mirage has just consistently been really good throughout CS, and it gets overhated because it's overplayed. Yeah. But it's it's overplayed because it's so good. I would. Say I have I'm... two. I have two pushback points here because here we go. first off, you guys both pick Mirage, so I mean, yeah. I feel like it's only just. I have to say, as much as I think Mirage is an interesting map, but it's also even though it's stale, it almost feels underexplored because I think it in weird times. What I, I remember was it the Carrigan clutch where he throws a smoke from like T spawn to the B bomb sign like a one v one and it throws his opponent off like that's that's cool very niche use case but that blew people's minds and you know uh, I think it was Tai Lu that had like a wall of smokes leading into the A bomb site on Mirage which is a, again a very niche strategy but it also kind of blew people's minds I think Nuke has that kind of permeation because I remember when Furia started using like a different wall of smokes outside it suddenly unlocked a whole myriad of options for teams because they started to realize that we can do a leaning wall we can do the l block smokes we don't have to just throw two smokes from red container to secret and that's that's how we sort of throw outside presence there were other ways that you could attack the bomb site so i feel like as much as mirage is an interesting map and i actually agree with quite a few points there yeah, there are there are I think arguments to be made even for maps like Overpass as well. I think it does get a kind of an honorable shout out if you're if you're talking about clutches, uh, longevity. I feel like that that map could also kind of fulfill most of the boxes you tick off. Also, the second point is Inferno kind of sucks on CS2. Just just a by the by, they changed a lot with the map. And I hate everything they changed. I didn't. I didn't even understand the Inferno hate for people because of the save meta. Really, that wasn't me. But now, I, it's the permaban forever. Uh, if if it stays in its current form, it sucks.
I, I just hate playing Inferno, but like on every iteration of the game. And I, I like it to what to spec, but maybe it's just one of these things where I haven't played the game like, you know, a trillion hours and I'm not as good as the, the players I get to watch like in esports or whatever. But I feel just T-side is like, I don't know, it feels so hard to push. This is obviously like the most noob level take of all time. But it's like, if my team calls in my shitty elo, like we're going A, I'm like... I don't know all the perfect like 100% lineups for a smoke, which means on that map specifically, I have to walk into someone's crosshairs. I either have to go through apartments or I have to peek. Like it's it's such a difficult map to play unless I feel like you're really good at the game. But from a player perspective, I hate the map. From an esports perspective, I love it. So I guess my personal player bias is is seeping in there as a, as a bit of a bit of a newbie. Um, one take. I kind of just need you guys to co-sign, I think, unless you have alternate ideas, is the worst map of the CS era. I mean, it's just dust, isn't it? Or is it? Am I missing missing something? For me, it's Cobblestone, dust. maybe? Cobble was kind of garbage. People, you know, people have nostalgia glasses on for Cobble. Like, that map was so unbalanced and, like, exploitable. I don't know. That, that map kind of sucked. Basically, also, nobody oh, actually. It. Yeah. Also, Vertigo kind of blows. Vertigo might Vertigo. be worse. But some Vertigo's people think awful. it's good, though. Some people like, think it's really yeah, like good. Vertigo. Yeah, there, here we go. Like Some people actually yeah, think it's good. Like I think it's we, bad. We're, but... we're establishing quickly Yumi has all the wrong takes. It's his favorite <laughs> bacon's it. banana bread as well. So. It's called preference. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I have memories attached to banana bread, man. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, just very quickly, like, what, what do you defend Vertigo a little bit, Yumi? I mean, but to be fair, this is a, a map that really divides opinion. I do see a lot of people say, like, they usually preface it by saying, I don't know why there's hate for Vertigo, but I think X. But there are a lot of people who stick up for it. So, what, why do you think it's a decent? So, map? I, I'll take a different approach. I actually do understand a lot of the hate for Vertigo. You know, there's a lot of like early fights. It feels like it's just a basic utility exchange, you know, kind of similar to Inferno. I think that's why people have kind of come off that map. The elevation isn't really done in a way that makes as much sense as maybe like a nuke because the ways that you get access to that elevation aren't consistent throughout the map. Um, so I understand it from that point of view. That said, I think it's still a map where there are quite a lot of options for you as a T-side once that first bombardment of utility sort of happens. It's actually very hard to hold sights on CT. Because there's a lot of just straight-up gunfights that you can take. And unless you take control, it's it's actually quite difficult. It's one of those maps where I think a lot of people don't like it as as spectators or just like the average person because they're too lazy to learn it. Um, there's there's a lot of niche smokes that you can throw. There's a lot of great utility. It's It's got actually good space on the map for trading. And I, I just, I like it because it plays, it actually plays better than it looks in places, so long as you're not just constantly taking a ramp fight through smoke or about above one-way smokes or something like that. I think in CS2, Vertigo actually plays a lot better as well. So, yeah. I'm definitely one of those people who instant bans it in Premiere. So, yeah, mm. no, feel, feel you feel you on that one. Right, moving on to, and you know, something that's uh, in your own personal working realms here, the best caster or casting duo of the CSGO era. So again, I will start because I, I'm a bit old school. Like my main sort of most dedicated uh, watching slash following the esports e scene was obviously um, when I was directly involved with teams in HGK at the start. So I'm kind of like 
grew up with Anderson Semler guy, I guess. So I have a lot of bias there. Obviously, like, from a technical aspect, I'd probably say, like, Henry Sadakis, maybe, like, possibly. I'm going to say Anderson Semler because I think there are so many of my favorite moments have those guys' voices attached to them, happy on uh, Banana, like, you know, these kind of things are what resonate with me the most. Hawker, what, what is your, who is your favorite caster or casting duo, would you say? Again, not necessarily best. Again, this is more of a, a preference thing because casting is definitely a preference category. Yeah, I think it might be similar where probably when I was growing up, I think was kind of when Sadakiss was breaking onto the scene with Henry and that, that duo was, I think... Sadakis, like, you know, whatever you, you think about him now or whatever, at the time, he he just had this ability to, I, I don't know, it just felt like every moment he would make iconic, which is kind of what I want in a hype caster. He, he has so many memorable lines <coughs> that just make the plays. And then Henry is just, man, Henry is so charismatic. It's not even fair. This this guy is hilarious. The, the only time I've met him, I was just cracking up constantly. He also himself has those rare, you know, I think as a color caster, it's harder to have those memorable moments. And we, you know, you'll still remember Henry being like, Zeus does something. He finally does something, which was just great at the time. So that that duo for me was just incredible. I think Sadakist technical and, and hype wise was just so good. I, I will say currently, uh, as a, a quick shout out as well, Scrawny and Lauders are so good right mm. now. I think those guys have had a, a really cool come up, but... Like throughout the whole of CSGO, I think it would have to be, you know, Sado Henry. That 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 was probably the time when I was most, you know, excited, like a, a new little kid looking at CS, like, oh, this is cool. And yeah, that's that's what I remember. Most what? impressionable at that time, of course. <laughs> exactly, yes. What what about you, Yumi? I'm I'm probably gonna take a different approach. I'm not gonna go with a, a duo, but the two if I had to sort of pick out two casters, I think have been super consistent, super good, I would say well, first, DDK, even though he's not active anymore, um, and Moses, for very much the oh, same reasons. Okay, you know, yeah. Both super versatile, but also very analytical commentators. You know, that's something that I love in particular, because I, I feel like it's easier to just get excited about what's happening on screen. It's harder to detach yourself from that to a, to a certain degree and break it down. Like, uh, that, that, I felt, really engaged me as a viewer when I was watching either of those two work. You know, they... They talked about something that I didn't even think about, whether that was player psychology or uh, bringing up a particular round that happened in another game that this team had already played and it being a mirror of what just happened on screen. You know, that, yeah. those, those two are so good at both, both making analytical uh, calls, but then also if you gave them a play-by-play -play role for a moment, they, they do just fine. So I think they're both very versatile commentators that have kind of stood the test of time. Yeah, I think Moses also is always good for some NA copium, which is, you know, memeable as it is. Yeah. I think that is actually important that you have someone who is always like hyping the underdog because obviously most of the talent generally is European based. And we do obviously like to, you know, put our stamp down shit on NA a little bit. And it is nice to have someone who is saying, but what if? And sure, if it only ever happens once at the Boston Major in 2018, then it only happens once. But then that's the payoff's even bigger, isn't it? So I do actually like that about Moses as well. And he's good on the desk, like not just um, casting. I think he's quite good on, on analyst desk. So now that's a, definitely, definitely a good shout. Um, moving on to who is, again, interpret this however you want, your favorite player. Not 
the best player, your favourite player. So I'll give you an example to sort of illustrate the angle I'm going for. Mine's a bit weird, or let's say controversial. Mine's actually Cadian. And the reason it's Cadian, I know he gets a lot of shit and all the rest of it, but I think this guy, and from the sounds of it, you guys maybe even, um, obviously far more neck deep than perhaps I've been in the last however long, but maybe slightly later to the game. I sort of knew Cadian when he was on Reason Gaming in like 2012. And this guy's like story arc is mental. It's actually crazy. If you go back, just go on his Leaguepedia and look at the teams that this guy's played for, like in the early days of CS. This guy was bouncing around like tier two, tier three teams for ages doing nothing. And he's one of the very, very few players who was there from the start of the game and actually ended higher than when he started. Obviously, you know, if we look at like the the nip era of like Forest and Get Right, obviously legendary players even before they stepped foot in a CSGO server, but their trajectory was never just going to be a continuous climb, right? They had their era and then, you know, age happens, things happen, you, you, it's hard to keep up. Cadian was here from day one and ended up being on a top three team at the point of which the game ended. I think that is arguably top three i think that is a pretty mental storyline and obviously he had the covid clutch at the finals and you know they they got their land win as well the emotional moment with his mum, all the stuff like that i would say that obviously the reason one of the reasons why cadian was drifting around tier two and tier three for so long was because he was a bit of a dick like those rumors are you know somewhat substantiated but i think he had you know multiple renaissances and just the coolest story arc ever and i do think he's probably a better and bigger person these days so yeah probably him and the other shout out i would give is is just shoxy because uh i just i think he like just epitomizes like french like swashbuckling csgo era like the i'm just gonna keep fucking buying even though we should eco era and just being obviously the best player in the world at some point and just a really cool aggressive fun style so gameplay wise shocks would probably be my favorite storyline wise definitely Cadian. what what about you yumi who who would you say is your favorite player um my favorite would probably be zaiwu it's probably zaiwu um i loved his comeuppance the fact that he came from like a smaller team but everybody saw the potential and then he ends up on vitality and he's just one of the best players that we have in today's game for like what four or five years straight um i you know i think the notable uh i guess a shout out would be maybe rops because it's kind of a similar kind of arc uh came through from like an amateur system and then effectively found himself in the pro circuit and did just as well um yeah no i like i like zaiwu's game i always thought his the interviews he gave were honestly at the start of his career just kind of cute which is a little silly but for someone that's such a like a presence in the server for him to be timid outside of it just to me is uh, a nice duality because we've got so used to at a certain point especially in early days counter-strike where if you were an aggressive player you're almost like an aggressive personality outside of the server as well like you needed that attitude to permeate but he kind of broke that mold and he's also the guy that's born on counter-strike so i just you know i love the narrative that we can drive from him even though he's probably not the goat he's still one of my favorite players so okay thorin in shambles uh what about you hawker <laughs> who would you pick I'm not gonna lie. the The first name for me was also Zaiwu as well. Okay. I will I will talk about some other players, but quickly the thing on Zaiwu is I feel like he just came about at a perfect time to be the counter to Simple's like brash cockiness, and then you get another incredibly good player who is the complete opposite. 
I think when I was first going to events, watching like that, there's a certain naivete to Zaiwu where he doesn't realize how good he is. Like he, he, it just genuinely feels like he's a kid that goes and plays CS. And I've been at events where his whole team are in a huddle, like really talking about what we need to do in the game. And then Zaiwu just rocks up like a, a few minutes later, just walks on stage. Like he doesn't give a damn. Like he, he's just, oh yeah, cool. I'm playing CS. All right, whatever. And in late round scenarios, he's so good that you can see it's just like instinctual with some of the decisions he makes. So I would say he's probably my favorite. But if I if I want to go for someone else, the fact we haven't mentioned Simple is probably unfair because he, he just epitomizes so much of Counter-Strike, right? Like we love Counter-Strike because it's the esport where it feels like you have a bit of personality, a bit of cockiness. It's one of the rare esports where an individual can have such a big impact on the game, in my opinion. Unlike maybe MOBAs, where yeah. it's kind of impossible to solo carry. And, and Simple just has that in, in every aspect. He makes just plays that don't make sense sometimes because he's almost like a bit cocky. And he's probably tempered that a little bit now. But I, I think you can tell that like, he really wants to win so badly. And yet he still has this cocky nature about him that I think is, is just so fun to watch. And... It's nice to have those sorts of engaging personalities when they're actually also the the best at what they do. I, I'd like to sort of just bounce that as well. Just the the fact that Zaiwu to me is kind of like the perfect player. Like if you had to draw up like all the stats, he'd probably have like a nine or a ten in most of the categories. But he while he might be the perfect player, I feel like Simple is the imperfect player that finds perfect solutions. Yeah. You know, he he breaks the game to find yeah. the answer in some some rounds, where Zaiwu, I feel like, is always working on an algorithm. So I I those two have many dualities, not from just persona, but even just the way they play is it's kind of staggering. They're both as good, but also so different. To quote Gerard Piquet talking about Ronaldo and Messi. Messi is out of this world and Ronaldo's the best of the humans. That might be a sort of yeah. fair fair way of uh, splitting the two. Mm. Um, on a, along a similar line, I want to get your guys' opinion on the three best riflers of all time. You can either do it in order or not. Again, I will give you mine first as a sort of a barometer. So for me, it's Olof. I'm going to order them as well, actually. Fuck it. So in third place, I would have Olof. Um, in second place, I would have Shocks, And in first place, I would have Nico. Now, the reason I've gone for those three and not, for example, like Dupree, who's probably won more than any other rifler, for example, is I just feel like Olof was the most dominant and important player, inarguably, on that Fnatic era. I think Shocks has, at multiple or at least two different times in his CSGO career, been the best player in the world and has more... Um, longevity than the other people who have maybe you know well he just has great longevity again he's one who's been here like since the start obviously in the last few years he's not been the same guy but um yeah for me he is just the epitome of french campus right i'll admit the shocks one is maybe the most arguable possibly and then nico i just think is probably the best rifler overall that we've seen he can entry but he doesn't need to entry he's great late round um, probably the best or most consistently good technical ability. Because again, the thing with Shocks is like, this guy was very purple patchy. He would have streaks of just like absolutely bonkers level play. Whereas Nico, of course he does that, but I feel like Nico's floor is much higher than Shocks' floor. 
um, and his ceiling is comparable. Uh, so those would be my three. Although, you know, as I said, shout out to, to guys like Dupree, Cold Zero as well. For me, didn't do it for as long as Shocks, so that's why he wouldn't be on my list. Um, what do you think, Hawker? Who, who are your three top three riflers? Oh, yeah, this is tough. I mean, I think everyone probably has Nico number one. Just like the longevity of being so good as an aggressive rifler for a lot of it is just, it's just bonkers. Um, Nico, I think, deserves so much credit for that. Outside of that, I actually think it's, it's really open. Yeah. Like you said, you mentioned quite a few names. I would say second for me, I'm trying to think, because it, it's tough because I think Cold Zero's peak was really, really good. But like you're saying, it, it wasn't that long. And some of the players in early CS had enough of a, a good level for longer that I probably wouldn't put Cold Zero in. I didn't there. even mention Get Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Or Forrest. We, yeah, or, Forrest. Yeah, yeah. So I have Nico. I think Olaf has to be in there for sure. I, I just think at his peak, he, he was defining of that era and he, he did have good longevity as well. I think Olaf deserves to be in the list. And then. I'm, I'm tempted by Electronic. I really am. I think Electronic gets underappreciated just because he, he's on a team with Simple for so long that he's... He, I think it's always players that aren't the best on their team that sometimes get a bit underappreciated. But Olaf um, was obviously, like, really good when he was on Fnatic, probably their best player. Electronic just, like, he, he was so important in some of the aggressive rifling he did. And... I think people now maybe just think of him as his in-game leader state where he's he's not as good. He's actually, he still puts up pretty good numbers even when he switched to in-game leading. And yeah, he was he was just a real like raw talent you could see when, when he came onto that team. I think he was so important for, for Simple to have, to have the success that Simple did. So I, I think Electronic deserves a shout. I also, I don't know, I don't think Magis deserves to be on the list, but he's also another one where the way he's transitioned from being really good on Astralis to really good on Vitality also is great. Again, it's just Magisk is constantly like the second or third best player on his team and just really good in those like anchor roles. But he, he probably doesn't quite make the list. But yeah, I think I think I'll have Electronic, Olaf, Nico for me. Yeah, I'm going to be boring. Of course, you said at the start, I think everyone includes Nico. Nico's first for me and descending down the list. It would probably be Rops in second, you know, Ooh, okay. just a very clean mechanical player that not only was kind of the embodiment of the face it grind, but then also slotted straight into tier one teams rather quickly. And the, his play style, like he was so good, people thought he cheated in, in pugs when he played FPL. And I think that's just iconic as fuck. Um, then moving into third, it's a little bit more difficult for me because I want to put Dupree in there. Or Flusher, you know, two players. Or Flusher is more on the side of, you know, similar to Rops. Every he was so such a good rifler in such like important moments in games that people thought he was cheating. And maybe he maybe he was. I don't know, man. No, nobody knows. That's the that's one of the great mysteries of of global offensive. But he was that good and that impactful that people genuinely hated his guts, even if they had nothing to prove otherwise. Um. And then Dupree is just well, one of the most accomplished. I mean, he's just one of the most accomplished riflers ever. So. I would, I would, I mean, I think the problem is for me at least, people did have a lot of proof that maybe they shouldn't uh, like Flusher that much. Obviously, I'm not going to dive too much into that, but I would say, in my mind at least, Flusher's kind of auto disqualified. Uh, 
maybe that's unfair because we don't have, you know, a jury of his peers to uh, have put him through a court process. If you oh like, no, if, but... if you had a jury of peers at the time, they would have thrown the hammer on him straight away. I think sure. I think his explanations for everything, uh, coupled with the evidence, is so bad that even if he's innocent he's kind of guilty of being stupid so he's disqualified <laughs> for me like well then it's dupree then number three there is we dupree. Go. there we go all right keeping these lists clean guys no lance armstrongs please uh <laughs> but yeah so no, no good list good list definitely i guess again the reason why i have shocks above the likes of people like dupree and magic or whatever is the two caveats of one as i said multiple times i think inarguably the best player in the world but also this doesn't mean he's better, of course, but Prime should like watching clips of like Prime Shocks, like the famous clips of like those pistol rounds against VP or like the all play on Inferno, stuff like this. Like, I just don't see that really. Obviously, it's a different time as well. Like, it's harder to do that in the latter years than it was then. But this guy has so many outrageous like 1v5 plays and just stamps in time where it's like, I am so much better than everyone else in the server. That I can't attribute that to Dupree when he had the likes of Device mm. and fuck it, that whole team, like so many clutch masters on that team as well. Like it's just difficult for me to to put him there, even though he's the most accomplished. He's the most, as to use an American phrase, he's the most winningest uh, rifler. Yeah. But I don't think that means he's the third best for me. I'd also like to discredit Olaf out of the list because he was a hybrid. You know, he that man opted a lot during his tenure as a rifler. You know, does that? Does that count? No him as one, one of remembers the best Olaf Vorpi really. Uh, like, of course think... I do. Why else yeah, would you I know do? That he's a you do. You're you're fucking neck deep up to your eyes. But like, I think the average fan when they think of Olaf doesn't think of Olaf Orping. Is that a fair? I think I feel like that's a fair comment. Maybe like if I were I to agree. I, I don't. Yeah. I, until you said it, I was like, oh yeah, shit, he did quite. Yeah, I guess yeah, quite a lot. But I also think Cold Zero old quite a yeah, lot. True. Well, actually. Yeah, true. Actually, that is um, fair. A decent amount fair. too. So yeah. yeah. That's no, why I wasn't on my list. Good list, but yeah. let, let's uh, let's move on to top three orbs. I think this is a the first two is probably very easy for ninety percent of, of fans, I'd imagine. Obviously, for me, it's it's simple. It's, it's number one. Zaiwu is a comfortable second, and then the third one obviously gets most interesting because you'll have that huge swath of uh, Brazilians who'll say orping and in-game leading at the same time. My goodness, fallen. Uh, James, my goat. Yeah, you've got a Guardian who had a, a, a very good tenure, then a very not so good tenure. Um, Kenny S, who arguably, as a pure orper, has reached the highest heights, albeit for shorter periods of time of, of any other orper. Um, Device, again, would kind of, for me, be in like the Dupree category, where he's the most accomplished and he's monster consistent, which is definitely worth something. Uh, I am a... Uh, yeah, I, I'm not a big longevity guy Like when it comes to being like the, the main argument. So I'm going to say Kenny for my number three, just because I think that is the highest level of orping I've ever seen, probably. And he did it sufficiently long enough that, it, you know, if you do it for one tournament, of course, it doesn't really count. But I think he did it sufficiently long enough to, to qualify. But shout out Device as, a, as an honourable mention. He, I definitely wouldn't begrudge him being on anyone else's list. So yeah, I guess my question to you guys, starting with you, Hawker, is who is your number three? Because I assume you've got the same first two. Yeah, definitely. Same first two. I think I do have to, to lean Device. I think I, I, I rate longevity like maybe a little, a little more highly than you. And I also think even though it's tough with Astralis because we talk about how important the system and the chemistry and just the way they changed <laughs> the game was a big aspect of the team. 
I think if there's one player that kind of stands above the rest, it, it was kind of device yeah. in that period of time for for his just consistent output and how important that kind of was for for the way that the team played. Um, he also he does have big moments there. I think the the issue with devices, I don't know if he has as many big moments in like big games or big events and finals. And that's just partly because of how the team plays. But occasionally he definitely has his highlights. But yeah, it's the the consistency. It is kind of like in theory, devices the Orpa that you you wanted to play like. It, it's almost like, you know, Zai Wu has just taken that style and maybe even taken it further. But Device was the the first player who kind of really played in that way that it's like super safe, super calculated. You never feel like he's going to make mistakes. And yeah, I think that that deserves a, a lot of credit. So device for me, but like you said, Kenny, Kenny incredible as well, for sure. And I have the exact know. same three as Ooh, Walker. Okay. So it's, uh, it's kind of hard to push back aside from, you know, Kenny got nerfed directly by the developers True. for his very fast orping style. But and those JW, three... shout out JW. He was yeah, never the same I, after the the movement nerf. It was made. It was mainly Kenny. Yeah. Like JW had a few moments, maybe, but it was people were trying to replicate his style. Those three on the list, Simple Zaiwu Device, were able to make the AWP as broken as it was pre-patch, where Kenny could not. You know, that's that's the problem with him being on the list for me is that he didn't adapt, he didn't change, and I think without without him being so good at the start we wouldn't be able to see the ceiling of, of these players now, like the, like the three that are on this list, um, with the fact that they, they make the gun just look as busted. So I I like those three because, yeah, they're, they're all, all three different thought processes, you know, one by the book, one off the book, and one somewhere in the middle uh, that I think they, they make a nice triage. Yeah, I would agree that Kenny's more, it's like one of these things of like the boat versus the goat. Like I think that moment in time was probably the best ever orping, but I'm probably being a touch generous over the entire course of CSGO having him as number three, but fuck it. Shout out Kenny. Uh, yeah. Right. Uh, top three in-game leaders. This is our last player specific category. Um, I'll start with you, Yumi. Who are your top three IGLs? Obviously, this is one of those things that it's, kind of goes against my ethos because i'm always critical of like best coaching awards and stuff like that in various game titles because we only know so much we only get so much access to like in-game comms and stuff like this but as best we can demise who would your top three in-game leaders be one and two are actually hard for me because i know who they are but i don't know how to place them against each other properly and it's a big debate it's between carrigan and glaive um for number one and number two I would have to say Glaive for the long period that he was able to succeed. You know, he had a pretty harsh fall off once we started to get the rumblings of Astralis breaking down and, you know, the team's splitting ways, especially when Device left. Um, and I, I think Carrigan, the argument for him is that he's just been able to do it with so many different rosters and so many different periods of time. He only really had like a finals or like a choking man mantra kind of attached to them because that's when, when he got removed from TSM into Astralis you know that's when the choking finally stopped for the mm. for the Danes so maybe there's a lot of growing for him to do there the third for me is probably Pronax I, I'm I really was trying and struggling to think of a third one that's why I was buying time with number one and number two but Pronax <laughs> for me is the guy because they played such a chaotic style on that Fnatic that I, I don't know how you control personalities like JW Flusher 
and you you try and pull together rounds but he was somehow able to manage through that chaos and maybe he didn't last as long as some of these other in-game leaders but considering he got past the nip of the time where they were super dominant at the start of counter-strike and then virtus pro as well who had the golden five you know those are the types of teams that they were contesting against and still fanatic were kind of able to subvert expectations versus those teams that have a lot of attributes that would have them as favorites going into tournaments no, good shout good shout what about you hawker what are you thinking yeah i think i would i would lean carrigan just i i i think it it's very much just dependent on your philosophy it's like if you like how glaive kind of really changed the game and almost like perfected the modern style of counter-strike that basically every team aspires to now you you go with glaive but carrigan has done it on so many different teams so many different personalities and he's also so good at coming into a team and quickly making them quite good. I think the thing I love about Carrigan is when a game breaks down and you get into the late game and kind of a lot of the prep goes out of the window, his his mid-round calls or like his calls in those moments where he has to basically on the fly feel out the game and it's not as planned are just some of the best out there. Like you even see himself actually just running into an empty bomb site or finding a gap where he can make space on the map. And I, I think that deserves so much credit. So it's it's basically, if, if you're someone who is always super, you know, prepared and you're always trying to prepare ahead of time and that's how you like winning, you go with Glaive probably. But I, I love Carrigan for his ability to do it in the middle of the game. And I also think Carrigan was, was somewhat innovative as well with some of the utility he's come up with and what he's done on some of his teams. Actually, the third spot is really hard. I think Pronax is a good shout. Actually, I'm. It's it's tough because like Fallen is there, and it's it's hard with Fallen because of the Brazilian fans. <laughs> they make me feel like I don't want to put him on any list just because they <laughs> overrate him so massively. But that team was dominant for a, a yeah. good amount of time. Yeah. They were quite good. Um, thing is, Exist deserves a shout out probably as well. I don't know who I'm picking. I, I think my gut would be Prodax as well, but that feels boring because then I'm just agreeing with Yumi <laughs> again, you know? And I mean, <laughs> we, we don't learned, want that, do we? Exactly, exactly. Why am I the punching bag of this? <laughs> We've only done, like, this is the first episode. I refuse. I think, it's a, I think we never recovered the, the, the banana bread, mate. I think mean, that's, that's just... <laughs> and the name. The name Why the hate? The, the Yumi the stuff, you know? Oh, God damn it. <laughs> you screwed yourself. All right, I will say Fallen. I think they... It, it was a kind of a transitional period of CS. And I actually almost feel like the way they played was like kind of a little flawed. Like they would double up T side a lot, that Brazilian team and stuff like that. But it was it was really well done at that time period. And I, I think Fallen deserves props. Even now, I actually think Fallen's a pretty decent in-game leader. He, he seems to come into teams and generally give them a bit of structure. Maybe it's not working out on Furia, but you know, mm. it's, it's whatever, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little less about that. Yeah, I, I think the third spot's actually really hard. I'm not married to Fallen here, but I'm, uh, you know, I'm I'm in a relationship with him for now. Mm. I'll have a think. <laughs> How about an open relationship? Maybe throw Zeus in there, possibly? Maybe? Zeus is a tough one as well. Yeah. Zeus is a tough one. Or my third slot, because I, I have the same two, Existence. That's wow. my... And the reason I'm going with him is obviously he doesn't... They... You can make a very valid point that those teams, those French teams underperformed when it came to like the big, the absolute like highest end tournaments. But 
I think he was probably the most innovative in-game leader that we've seen. I think the way those French teams managed economy and the risks that they took and the sort of off-the-wall plays that they did was all from his philosophy of how to play the game. And also they did this kind of weird voluntary thing where obviously the French scene in the CSGO area has always had a lot of talent, but they would sometimes tank talent to have people who would like buy into the... Obviously the best example is when him and Smith's for a lot of people sort of overstayed their welcome on that very game slash sort of envious era teams. But it was because they were playing this really weird stuff. I remember Smith used to take the auto sniper on Dust 2 and like spam the doors. Like no one else is doing that. It was kind of objectively stupid, but they were always doing these weird out of the box things. And of course the, the endless incessant pistol rounds when it made no sense and stuff like this. But I always felt there was like, some method to the madness and i felt existence was kind of the mad scientist in charge of a bunch of like really crazy but talented french players and i think they had a very unique approach to the game that they tried to push for ages like even when happy was becoming like sort of taking over and becoming igl and moving around teams and stuff like they clearly believe so hard in this philosophy that it just permeated throughout the french scene for like way too long to be honest but i do think that's because he was a very unique innovator and an interesting guy so I'd, I'd throw his name in there he doesn't when you put glavin carrigan's achievements like next is i mean it pales for sure but you know it was a different time as well mm -hmm. uh, i do have carrigan over glaive and the only reason i have that again it is a pick your poison like Glaive over Carrigan definitely makes a lot of sense as well. I feel like Glaive is responsible for what's probably, in my opinion, the greatest team of all time, I suppose, during the era, which, you know, deserves a massive, massive uh, green tick next to it. But I just feel like Carrigan immediately improved every team that he went on. And to the, and it happened so often that, again, it kind of removes speculation of like, how much is this guy actually influenced? Like, I was always slightly suspicious, don't get me wrong, but like, of how people talked about Sean Gares. Like, I'm sure he was a great in-game leader. I'm sure, you know, he had loads of qualities. We have that famous footage, of course, where they showed like nine rounds in a row with full communication of Sean leading Cloud9 in-game. So I do think he's a good in-game leader. But sometimes I feel like people get... <clears throat> In the same way that we discredit people unfairly, probably, by saying, you know, going in the opposite direction. I do think sometimes we heap praise on things we don't have, like, complete clairvoyance on. But I feel like with Carrigan, there's just so much evidence that this guy, that's what he does. He goes in and he makes teams better. Um, so for me, he'll be number one. But, if you know, I wouldn't argue against Glaive at all. I think that's a, obviously a great shout. And those, to me, those two are, are clear. Um, yeah. Fallen would be further down my list but again I, I don't know how much i'm influenced by the the unbearable community like it's really hard hard to say at this point but obviously a great player in his time uh now what i want to do is to get you guys to order the three best teams of all time again the first one's probably easy but then i do think it gets a little bit interesting so for me this i've probably gone pretty vanilla on this i think i'm gonna probably say obviously astralis era i think is is number one um i think people also forget how good they were and how many high placements albeit somewhat choked placements they had even before they became astralis they're a very good team on tsm and had some good tournament results even before then um but yeah it would be australis i think i think then probably the second best era for me is probably the Fnatic era would pip the nip era i think 
but mm. also you have the SK Luminosity uh, era. Like I think it is difficult to say. Is there is there any variation on what I'm saying? Do you guys disagree with that at all? I'll probably go the Stralis Fanatic Nip. What do you think, Yumi? I would probably go Astralis Luminosity NIP. Oh, okay. Um, NIP because they they broke the game as uh, as the most dominant team for such a long period of time that it's just an, a record that will go unbeaten until we you know somehow find a way to do it in Counter Strike Two, which I just don't think will happen. And Luminosity for me just played a very yeah, I, I agreed with what Hawker was saying before about, you know, them playing like a flawed style, but they also had so many like explosive players that it just works so well. Like whether it's Fur going in for some of those crazy plays or like Cold Zero in a late round or Fallen like orping three people, two of them through smoke or something. You know, we had you had players that would thrive in that kind of environment. So yeah. I I, I like them for for different reasons. Even though uh, even the luminosity one for me is it's hard because i think you can make an argument maybe for liquid in their spot because of that little run they had where no no na team after i mean after cloud nine for liquid to take the mantle of being the best na team and only thwarted by astralis like they're kind of an undersold that's true actually that's a good undersold shout. roster i think that's i think you're I, thinking, I think you're yeah. stretching it for like top three great seven teams that's a great shout though they're they're like the forgotten team i think because they mm. were the problem i feel for liquid was they they didn't like stamp their era with like multiple major wins or something you know it was kind of like a, a titleless era it felt like compared to what it, it could have been but it's a great shout that that is definitely the forgotten team of, of, of csgo a grand slam maybe but yeah you know, the important tournaments no yeah what what do you think yeah. walker yeah, I think, you know, obviously Astralis first. Then I, I would say, I think Fnatic 2016 sort of era, just th that team, like, it, it had this great longevity and they were pretty dominant for just quite a long time. Whereas, I mean, even like, you know, Luminosity SK, they weren't like dominant in the same way. Like they won a lot of majors, but there were periods where like between, I think, two of their major wins, they were barely winning anything in a, in a weird way. And, you know, they deserve credit for picking it up when it, it got to the majors. But I, I do think, like, they weren't quite as, as dominant as maybe, like, a, a Fnatic was. My my first instinct was genuinely to go with that Liquid team at number three. Like, I, I just think the the short peak of that lineup was crazy. It's quite funny. I just started choking as I started talking about Liquid. <laughs> uh, classic. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that the peak of that lineup was wild. And that's probably the highest peak of individual play on a team like the overall every individual on that team was crazy good yeah. maybe nitro is someone we didn't even think about in igls who deserves a, a little bit more love than he gets he was kind of a swiss army knife though he did I like know, every yeah, role didn't he? yeah and like the, the thing is watching that liquid lineup when they're at their best you didn't feel like it was coming from the in-game leading right you just yeah. felt like their individual peak was just crazy and for that run where they ran the won the grand slam so quickly that run was mental like the amount of massive plays you'd see the the overall individual ability of that team was just so high and the the only thing against nip for me is you know they were playing against janitors in that era man <laughs> who, who are they playing that's that's the garbage era of cs to me so i i know they were ridiculously dominant but i'm going to be personally biased against them and say screw them they don't deserve okay. a spot two points and i'm going to just make it quick luminosity actually out liquid in for my list so it's astralis liquid nip
And oh, well. the reason for that is I realize that a lot of the a lot of the positives for that Luminosity team actually was drawn around the narrative for them as well because they came from South America where they actually didn't have the finances to even travel for their for their tournaments in Europe. You know, I think was it Flusher or JW? One of them put them I think it was Flusher put them up. Yeah. Um, and you know, then they ended up becoming a super dominant team and he probably regretted mm. giving that money away in the first place. Um, so I think a lot of it was the story of them coming from underrepresented region and them being a super dominant team that, that really sways me, but yeah, liquid, you kind of talked me into it, Hawker. Um, and then also for, for NIP, let's not also forget these guys figured out the game super early, but they also had a great impedance on other teams and the style that they chose to play because of how good get right was at being a lurking presence on bomb sites like teams actually had to really worry and even adapt their own play styles to mirror what he, they they were doing at the start and i think they just had some you know great permeated impact on the counter-strike scene as a squad because they they figured out a play style that everybody could see their own little role maybe being represented as a as a pug star it's also that thing of like, you're right, of course, like the level of competition back then wasn't what it is now. But that, that 80, 87 and 0 or whatever it was run is like, that is still legendary. And that uh, very games lineup that it was at the time was the most talented lineup for sure. Like they were themselves sort of somewhat choking, but it's not like they were completely unchallenged. Like they, that, that was that rivalry. But yeah, it was basically like a two team tournament every time they both played so yeah i i i agree with uh both points there um i'm not going to spend too much time on this at all because i think we're probably all in universal agreement the goat of csgo mr simple any yeah. disagreement there it's it's not close for me personally although yumi's got a, got a no i'm face. just i'm trying to think of an argument for somebody else but it's it's hard well, who, if it, obviously i'm not saying this is your opinion but if you had to, if if you were tasked with being on the other side of a debate who would be the name that you put forward so I, I would make arguments for people, even if I didn't believe them. I wouldn't say Zywe. <laughs> Zywe's not even close. That, to me. Yes, I was not in the conversation. I would say it's like Device or Nico. I could make the yeah. argument. Yeah. I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't win, but I could try and make the argument. Those were the two for me as well. So yeah. No, I think. I think that's. Two. I think that's probably fair. I think those would probably be the three, and probably there are people out there who just like love rings, and if you love rings, like Device is kind of inarguable, right? Like mm. if you're. If you're if you're trying to suck off some rings, then you, you go for device. He might give you one because he's got so. Also, many. when you look up Orper in the dictionary, device's picture is right there, bro. So there you go. And I'll... then Nico, just because like as a rifler, I think it's it's harder to play that role than the mm. Orp. I guess is is the argument there. And like compared to other riflers, he's just so clear of them. Yeah, I think I think a good argument for both Simple and Nico was that both of them came up in an era where they super hard carried their teams <laughs> like mm, yeah. neither of them had good teams around them and regardless of whether or not you thought the roster was any good or the, the in-game leading or the structure nico would get 35 kills simple would get 35 kills in their game and they'd maybe even still lose you know uh, i think the the real positive for simple in this conversation of being the goat is even in losing tournaments i think it was yeah. was like star series and there was like a dream hack where they lost and he still won the MVPs for that tournament. I think it even happened. Yeah. Uh, it was like Cologne last year. It also it might have also happened where he lost in the finals. That was the yeah. That was the Cologne where Twists had like an incredible finals. But Simple still won the MVP even though they lost. You know, that's there are very yeah. few people that have actually had that accomplishment even put on their name. So 
and how fitting that he maybe will win the last ever sort of biggish tournament in uh, in CS:GO, possibly mm. depending on what happens with that weirdness going on with uh, the full tournament. But we'll see. Uh, awesome. So I'm just gonna leave us with one more category, guys, because as I said at the very start. What I'm going to try and do with this show is to keep it around the one hour mark. Because as I said, I do want it to be sort of uh, fast and uh, fun rather than drawn out. And we find ourselves talking about, you know, how we cook our banana bread and so on. Try and keep that to a minimum. Uh, and don't worry, Yumi, that will be the last banana bread reference of this show. No, I want uh, every show to start with a banana <laughs> bread uh, question to Yumi. That's what I want. Yeah, if you give me a recipe every time, you know, I'll, I'll allow it. You know, the you know the worst <laughs> thing about this is I actually like banana bread too. So I'm just a fraud. Hey, you just oh slander yeah. 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 What the fuck is this? Yeah, no, no, it's actually pretty good. I'd never make bad. it because it's like it's just it's too random. I think you know, mm. I'd never be like I have an urge to eat banana bread. But if banana bread were offered at a hypothetical you know, meet up or something, I would partake in eating banana bread. So yeah, I am a fraud. Uh, but yeah, so the last category here, guys, is I want to do something a bit weird, which is draft our Hall of Fame roster. And obviously the keyword being draft, which means if I go first and I pick someone, you are not allowed to have them. So what I'm going to do is the most unofficial, uh, corrupt version of who goes first, which I'm just going to say Hawker. I'm thinking of a number between one and ten. Guess what the number is? Whichever one of you gets closest goes first. So, well, uh, yeah, okay, got it. All right, I was, I'm saying four. Okay, you, me, what are you saying? Eight. The answer was one. So, uh, <laughs> you go first, Walker. Draft, start drafting your team. You get the first pick. Anyone from the, and obviously you're picking them at, at their apex, right? So, any player at their apex. But also, I guess they have to be sort of, you know, Hall of Fame-ish worthy because it's a Hall of Fame draft. So you're picking them yeah, at their the, best. I, I know the, the the best thing about this. I'm glad I got first pick because people <laughs> yeah, are going to be mad. It's a bit broken. No, no. Oh. I'm, not, I'm not picking Simple. I'm Ooh. picking Nico. I'm picking Nico. Okay. As a rifler, no one comes close. Just you wait until I get my AWPA later on, mate. There's some there's some other good AWPAs out there. That's all I'm saying. So give me Nico all, right. all day. All right. So who are you taking, Yumi? Please leave me simple. <laughs> you go for it, man. You can you can have it. Um, I'm picking I'm picking Rops. I think. We're oh going off the peak. I'm picking Rops. All right, all right, all right. Interesting. So I've obviously picked simple. So who are you taking <laughs> second, uh, Orca? Oh, we're not doing Snake. I, I get to go again. Oh wait, no. Yeah, sorry. Yumi's. It's uh no. It's my. Oh, you want to? You want to take? Yeah, sorry. Mm. My mistake. Uh. Simple and oh god, uh, I will take Carrigan. That's not bad to be fair. Yeah, that is. That is so it goes back reasonable. to Yumi. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna go with Zaiwu. Okay, Zaiwu, interesting. Hawker. I think that makes it obvious that I need to take. I think device, right? Mm. I, I think I will go device. I could have maybe gone Caddy if I wanted, but. I, I feel like device for the orp, and then who else am I taking? I mean, you guys both picked your in-game leaders, right? Did you? No. Uh, well, no, you no, haven't did. picked an in-game leader. Yumi hasn't. No. Oh, you didn't take Glaive, did you? No, I didn't. Okay, in that case, I'll take Glaive. Oh, mate, Glaive. Man, being in the device. middle sucks. Actually, <laughs> oh. You know, why am I in the middle? This, this fucking sucks. <laughs> right, who you got, Yumi? Oh, I'm just thinking. Oh God. Who calls on this team, man? 
Yeah, the the, the in-game leaders is actually the play, maybe. What about what about <laughs> your boy Pronat? So yeah. To be fair, I, I thought I think, he was the, the third best. I think you missed. Either. I think you missed a trick, Yubi, because you know we had the two IGLs being so far ahead of everyone else, and you, you let know, them. Fine, 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 fine. You know, nobody. We, this is someone that we didn't even talk about. I'm gonna okay. go with Tabson. Okay, oh, interesting. Hell, okay. okay, interesting, interesting. Uh, okay. Hmm. Oh, I'm gonna go with Olaf. 20, nice. Give me 2015, 2016, Olaf Meister. That's not bad. Um, two picks? Yeah, yeah. And I will also take. Hmm. Do I care about entry that much? I think I don't. So I'm just going to take shocks. Olaf and shocks. That's pretty <laughs> tasty. Another rifler. <laughs> God, I just I'm, I'm thinking I have feasible rifling choices, but thinking of, of them in like a are they some one of the greatest of all time context does make it very difficult. I can throw a few names your way if you want. <laughs> Flamey. <laughs> Never. Cold. <laughs> mess with them. Yeah, but I already have a lurking rifle. Yeah, that's true. Dead fox. <laughs> That's a, I haven't heard that name in a while to be fair my um, god fuck. It's, it sucks because I want to pick this person but it doesn't make any sense my I want to pick James but it doesn't make any sense man you want to pick who James I, I almost want to pick James I already have an in-game leader and I already have an author so it doesn't make, <laughs> fucking make any sense uh Dupree. Dupree. Okay, yeah, yeah, Dupree, yeah. Yeah, good job. All right, so I guess these are my last two picks, right? Yeah. Because I already have three players. So, I need riflers. Um, I think I'm, whatever, I think I'm pr I'm pretty sure I'm taking Magus here. Yeah, I will take Magus for sure. Because I need a, I, I want him to anchor. And then I need one more. I'm thinking, ooh, ooh. Is no one taking cold yet? No, 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 one's no, no one's taking cold. Okay, I think I have to take cold then. Yeah, I'll take cold. Round okay, out the team. Okay. I will type my team in chat as well, so you guys don't accidentally pick my players. <laughs> uh, believe me, it already pains me that some of those names are already gone. <laughs> um, let's just go with let's just go with Flusher, man. I'm just gonna put Flusher. Not in bad. Never bad. Never bad. A name, by the way, that we haven't mentioned. Oh all wait, no, 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 show. no, wait, no, 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 no! I take it back. <laughs> oh, I take it back. Okay, yeah. Forest. Forest. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. A name that we haven't mentioned all show, who I think deserves a shout out. I don't think I'm going to pick them. Is Crims. I feel like yeah. he's had a yeah. Hall of Fame level career, um, but you know, one of these sort of unsung hero type players. I might just ruin my team a little bit. I'm very happy with my team. I think my team <laughs> is absolutely baller, but I'm not sure how well this guy fits, but I just want some added clutch gene. I might go Zipnix. Another name that hasn't been mentioned. Maybe. Bad. Yeah, I think I'll go Zipnix. I think I'll go so, As a closer. Yeah, like, yeah. Your team's going to have exactly. firepower anyway. So much yeah. firepower. And then Mr. 1VX. Yeah, I like, I like that. I like that. 
Right, so there we go. So just to, to sum up, and guys, please in the comments say whose team, aka my team, you think is the best. Should we try and pitch there? our teams quickly, like a quick 30 seconds? Oh, yeah, pitch. definitely. Just to run around your... So Hawkers is Nico, Device, Glaive, Magis, Cold Zero. Please justify your uh, composition, Mr. Hawkers. Hey, I've got three of the Astralis players on my team. I've got Device, Glaive, Magus. Then I've got Nico, best rifler of all time. And then Cold Zero as a closer, who's just unbelievably good probably one of the best clutch players in csgo history like how can this team fail how can it fail it can't well i'll oh, go next because i think it fails because my team's just i have the best player in the world ever by a mile mr simple i have arguably the best in-game leader improves any teams that, that he's on you know so even though i've got some probably you know shocks is a bit of a diva whatever i've got the right guy to harness their power and three of my players that any given time were the best player in the world in simple Olof and Shocks. Uh, probably the two highest peaks ever of rifling outside of Nico in Olof and Shocks, maybe. And then I've got Mr. Clutch if all else fails, if somehow, you know, the firepower's not enough in Zipnix. So yeah, I think I think that is a pretty pretty compelling five to put together. So and if, uh, if your team loses one game, it, it breaks. <laughs> everything breaks, bro. We're Nobody's able runners. to control simple. No one's able to do anything. It's about like, it. I'm the I'm the 20, 2018 Golden State Warriors. It's just you know Steph and Kevin Durant, and we're not <laughs> going to get behind because we're just going to be so far ahead to begin with. But uh, yeah, yeah, so Yumi, your lineup is Rops, Zywu, Tabson, Dupree, Forrest. What, what yes. made you... Yeah, I mean, they're all super versatile, easy to work with players that have had very good individual peaks. All of them have been stars on their respective teams. I mean, Dupree is maybe a bit more wishy-washy, but we need a support player, and this guy is one of the most winningest persons in Counter-Strike Global Offensive. So we have good co team cohesion. No one's going to cause any issues, and very frequent, very infrequently will they make mistakes because they're all just super by-the-book players. <laughs> and before I uh, let you guys go and we wrap up here... Let's all just be, you know, super honest with each other right now. Are there any teams that other people made that you would secretly swap with? Or let's just say if there was a tournament and all these players existed in their apex and you had to place a bet, would you back your own team or would you switch to someone else's team? Yubi, would you switch? Maybe switch with Hawker. I think Hawker's made a good team. Ooh, okay, yeah. okay. What about you, Hawker? I... I'm guessing you're sticking. Yeah, I'm sticking. I think mine and yours are like fairly close, but... I'm I'm sticking. Yeah. Yumi's team. I'm just like I'm I'm not sure. I'm looking. I, at it, I'm just not sure. I do. I think two things happened here. I think being in the middle is very yeah, tricky, yeah. and I also think that um you met like we weren't thinking super tactically, obviously. So you'd probably yeah. The start I picked Robs for us, and I'm like nobody was gonna pick that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 And then uh, I think if if we'd bothered to think about it, you probably would have gone in game leader with your next pick as well because we yeah, agree that, that there's me. two that yeah. are you know far away ahead so yeah but again the whole ethos of this show uh viewers out there is that you know feel free to to mock our our takes whatever because the whole point is i don't tell them what the questions are ahead of time so the whole fun of it is that hopefully we all make mistakes and we all discuss around those mistakes or brilliant Although picks Rich if you're does my know the questions ahead of time. I so do, yeah, yeah that is true. That, that, that is true. That's when you really rip into it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. I've, I'm uh, I'm all in. Uh, but yeah, that was the first episode of T-Side, guys. Uh, I'm not going to lie, there's not some absolute set-in-stone schedule moving forward. We all have very busy lives, things to do, but we will try and put shows around sort of important 
epi moments in time and uh, to make them as entertaining as possible for you guys. So thank you all for watching and we will see you next time.